1: Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. We do it twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, live all the time. Uh, Aaron Portzine here with the Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. What a uh, interesting night at the rink last night. It looked like another sleepy Tuesday. Uh, the way they fell behind 2 0 to the Panthers, but a, a roar back in the second period. Starts with the shorty, ends with an empty net with five minutes to go. Blue Jackets seven to three, seven to three. They matched a season high with seven goals. They sit atop the Metropolitan Conference division. Sorry, they are 4-0-2 in their last six. They had 14 players on the score sheet, seven different goal scorers, six players with two points. So here are suddenly the resurgent Blue Jackets. Um who complained about their play for the first month of the season and now quietly maybe one of the, I hate to say hot, but one of the warmer teams in the National Hockey League. What did you all make of last night's game and what do you make of this little current streak that, that uh, the local heroes are on? Allison, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly been interesting. I think it's first and foremost, it's been enjoyable hockey to watch, hasn't it? I mean,
1: yes, yes,
2: Washington at Dallas, even last night, if you maybe take out that first period and, and honestly yeah. the the Rangers game wasn't, wasn't <laughs> yeah, right. so so it's been fun to watch. Um, and they're winning, which is of course, what matters at the end of the day, what uh, I'm watching for. And I mentioned this in my, my piece that's just coming out this morning is that the team is shooting less now, they are still getting the chances, and they are, when they shoot, they are shooting from the right places, but they're shooting less, and that's something I want to watch. Um, just controlling that shot chair means so many little things. It's not everything, but they can't, you know, we've talked about this in that swing of skill to, to scrap, if you will, and they need to keep shooting the puck. <laughs> so I, I want to see them kind of come back above 500 on that.
1: Now, let me ask you this, Allison. Is, they're down in shooting. Is that held against all of last year or to this point last year?
2: I'm saying this um, compared to having at least half of all the shot attempts being taken on the ice.
1: Oh, I see. Okay.
2: So and so they are not, and they are, I think I, I it's in today's piece, they are not uh, having a big margin of how many shots they take compared to their opponents. Gotcha. So there's a lot of shooting going on and there's no real advantage going the Jackets way. Now, as Tortorella would tell us, and I agree, scoring chances matter. And the shots they're taking, as I said, are coming from the right areas. We're not talking about a team that's not taking shots. And when they shoot them, they're all coming from the periphery. They're getting where yeah. they need to get, but there is an advantage to having the puck and shooting it and not doing a come in, take a high danger shot and be out of the zone. So yeah. I just want to <laughs> see, see them up that advantage a little bit more because this is a long season and that's, that's an element of success in this league.
1: Yeah. There seems to, there seems to be now a, a, an elevation um, among several players, I think Dubois, I'm just going to go line by line here, I think Dubois has looked really good these last few weeks. Atkinson looks like he's thinking less and he's scoring more. They've, they have found a second line there. Uh, they love the Jenner-Felino-Anderson line. It's big, heavy line. Um, Wenberg is starting to awaken. Dubinsky, after a, a, a month out of the lineup, and you would, as expected, it's kind of a slow return from him. He's starting to look like a player now. Seth Jones, I think his game has awakened. Ryan Murray's been one of the best stories on the team so far. Um, I'm not sure everything has settled into place just yet, Tom. Maybe you wouldn't want it to at this point of the season, but it does feel like there's been a lift here among among the group, uh, both individually and collectively.
3: Yeah, I think the, let's just go back to to, to Winberg. That's the Mean if they can get that guy going, that is going to be a huge plus for this team. Um, he's the guy that you just you, we we spend a lot of time on this show talking about him. And when is he going to emerge? I think the last couple, couple games you're you're starting to see more of what we what we, you would hope uh, Alexander Wenberg could bring. I mean that the first goal last night they win seven to three. But it was the, the first goal in the first minute of the second period. Turned to me, turned the game around. Short-handed goal, it yeah. was scored by Cam Atkinson. But boy, Wenberg did a ton of work on that play. Yeah, uh, get it home, and he ends up with two assists. And I thought he, I thought he was more noticeable in the Dallas game too. Um, uh, I, I, I so I you know he needs to get going, and that's a that's a real positive sign. It's almost like a couple of weeks ago when Bobrovsky started to find his game. Uh, that was like. For about three or four games, that was the most encouraging thing about the team. I think Wenberg playing a little bit better the last couple games is the most encouraging sign for me.
1: And it's it, his is such a curious game. Um, and I thought Bradshaw did a really um, powerful job of, of explaining sort of how Wenberg ticks because you know I think the first the first comment and we, we say it all the time too. He's got to shoot more. He has to shoot more. But I think this team would take his 16-17 performance over again, where he had almost 60 points,
3: and he shot less that year than he ever has. Well, it's uh, the Barry Trotz method, right? You see what the Islanders are doing this year. Once again, they're following the the mold that uh, remember the Capitals used to shoot all the time. They shoot all the time, and last year they stopped shooting as much, and now the Islanders are off to this great start this year, and they're shot things way down. Now I think that comes back. But Winberg, you know, again, if Winberg can do that and play well all around game, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're putting up sixty points in that spot, people tend to pick your offensive game apart. I just, I think, and and he he won't go into this, but it was talked about last year that he he wasn't going into the same areas of the ice last season. The high the high traffic high um, danger, the collision rate areas after some concussions. And you wonder if the Tom Wilson hit in the playoffs didn't set him back similarly because he was starting to come on at the end of last season. Um, what what I noticed last night was it was an on your toes sort of up in people's faces, not not in a combative way, but just in a in a um, defensively confrontational way, if that's a way to put it. That's what's the, what sparked that shorthanded goal that started it all. And they had a couple of shorthanded chances on the night. But he he is such a smart, quick player with the stick, positionally sound. That That's something that's been there from day one when I, his first year in the league where he l- looked otherwise overmatched. He had all of that, the positioning, leverage. He had all of that stuff sorted down. And that stuff comes naturally to him it feels like that's the part of the game that's coming for him. And maybe if that does, then everything else falls into place. Allison, are you seeing a similar awakening with, with uh, Mr. Wenberg?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I I had shared with you guys anecdotally that prior to this year, it, and, and Wenberg was one of the top blue jackets when it came to challenging opponents, trying to come out of the zone. Um, So, you know, that, that, that element of his game isn't something that puts points on the board directly per se, but it's huge and you have to have the physical confidence to do it. Um, You know, to your point, he's, he's scoring more per 60 minutes of play this year than he ever has in his career. He's shooting more. So, if, if he can figure this out, if he can stop I, – I, I, too, love that Bradshaw explanation yesterday. If he can stop letting his brain get in the way too much, he, he could be back to what, what he was.
1: Yeah. Here's something else I, I think we overlooked, too. Wenberg in 16-17 had 23 power play points, so 36 yeah. points at even strength. He had 30 points at even strength last year and 14 fewer games. Right. In other words, he was above his even strength pace last year. Maybe it is just the power play.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look if you look at his here are when when two years ago, so 16-17, at even strength, Wenberg's points per 60 minutes of play was 1.57. Last year, even strength, 1.66.
1: He's better last year.
2: This year, this year, points per 60 minutes of play, even strength, 1.73.
1: Get off, Weinberg.
2: So the power play is a big part of that. If we shift over to power play, let's hope for some fast internet here. Two years ago, 16-17, his points per 60 on the power play, 6.51. But then last year. That's
1: yeah,
2: crazy. Now, last year, when they struggled, only 1.76. That's
1: that's that's the difference right there.
2: This year, we're seeing some sort of a little bit of a rebound so far at 2.57. Yeah. But at even strength, and, this guy is not – it's not like he fell off the side of a cliff.
1: Right, right. And he, I mean, I, I do think he's looked a little bit different, and his role has changed. He pointed that out last night in as nice a way as a player can without – making it sound like they're complaining about ice time. Because um, he's not hes not playing as their number one center anymore. He's not playing you know first two lines. Exactly. He's playing simply a checking line. But as also discussed, as we know, if he continues to play like he is now, things change really quickly. And I liked, I think him on a line with, with uh, Dubinsky has always been a good look. Totally. And yep. Who was on the right? Was Duclair on the right? They moved him
2: around, right, Allison, as the game went on? Yeah, and he saw Duclair and Bjorkstrand over there.
1: Yeah, because Bjorkstrand started up up top. We should say, one other element of last night's game that made last night so interesting, uh, Artemi Panarin out, sick. Sergei Bobrovsky out, sick. That immediately started afternoon um, speculation that they had been traded, which was hilarious.
2: What oh, man, come on.
1: I know. I called Yarmo uh, Kekalainen and said, "How many NHL GMs texted you and said, "Are they really sick or are you moving them?" He said, "Oh my God, none. None. People need to relax, <laughs> but just relax. Um, and then he said, if if they are if we are holding them out because we're trading them, we're going to say they're being held out as a precaution. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe that either. I think you might just say they're sick if you're if you got something <laughs> coming." Anyways, uh, Riley Nash also out. Um, and w- you'd have to think that there were some guys not feeling great. John Tortorella, who never wants to miss an opportunity to speak with the media. He begged out of the post game, uh, due to illness, uh, putting, sitting Brad Shaw out in his stead. I'm guessing there are guys on the roster that played, but didn't feel great. And there may be some other guys that, that, uh, sit out today when they practice at noon. So something to keep an eye on. Um, Tom, you wrote an interesting piece on on Dubinsky. We talked about him a little bit earlier here. Here's a guy whose last season well chronicled at this point was was absolutely awful. His training camp this year was spectacular. His start to the season was spectacular and then he got hurt and you wonder, oh boy, like exactly. where, where does this put him? What's exactly.
3: That? That was my, I can remember when you tweeted, for, you were covering that practice, and I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. And you just wonder, uh, when someone puts that much effort into something and has had so much adversity, uh, some of it self-inflicted. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, I, I just work my ass off to, to look better. What's going to happen over this next month? And so far, you know, obviously, first couple games back, it, it takes some time, but He's looked, he's looked fairly good. He's been really good on faceoffs. He's been really good in the defensive zone, and uh, we'll keep giving Brad Shaw credit. He must have been the greatest post-game press conference of all time because he brought the light like, something I really hadn't thought of. While Dubinsky's not playing as much, in fact, his, his total ice time is on a level where he was in his first year in the NHL. He's second on the team among forwards and shifts, and what that means is, they're using him a lot in defensive responsibilities. A lot of times they're sending him out there to take key faceoffs in the defensive yeah. end, and he's winning them. I mean, he was unbelievable in the game in Washington. Um, and there were a lot of heroes in that game, but he was kind of one of the unsung ones, just winning a lot of key defensive draws. And last night he added some offense to it. So it's early, but it's uh, it, you know it, it is a good sign at least that he obviously took care of himself and is and is and is playing, you know. Fairly well right now to start to, to uh, on, on his comeback.
1: Yeah, so he's a big part of this team and and I, I think can be a, a difference maker for them still, which I don't know that people thought it, even if he was able to come back and be a fourth line guy. I don't think a lot of people saw you know difference maker in his in his game this year. And, Alice, and
3: you need the, and you need those guys on the bottom six, right? I mean he's totally. not going to. He's never going to be back to, to playing the top six. They've got plenty of guys for that at this point. You need a guy like that to chip in and help you in the bottom lines because we remember how much did we talk last year? At times, their fourth line was just, you know, just throwing three guys out there. So yeah. if he can get back to his game, he's giving you one of those bottom six forwards where you can really count on.
1: Well, and this is huge for them too. Like you know, back to Winberg for a second, he can't win a faceoff, or he can't win half of his faceoffs. He never has. Riley Nash has been a disappointment in the faceoff circle. So Jenner goes into the middle, and he's been really damn good at, at faceoffs. Brandon Dubinsky, if, if you look at guys that have taken a hundred or more faceoffs this year, he's fourth in the league at sixty percent. I mean that that's been, and I think that's that's way above that's a that's almost an unsustainable number for a season, but that's way above his career average. That's been a real real bright spot for them, and even playing on the wing. Um, he's taking a ton of draws to start the shift and switching back over as needed. So Allison, tell me about Brandon Dubinsky and what, what's at at the surface or
2: below the surface with his game. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I just scrolled over to look at faceoffs when you talked about that. He's at a career high right now for even strength face-off win percentage. Um, what, I always look at it, Brandon Dubinsky, and we talked about this a little bit last night. What what this player hangs his hat on is his defensive play. This was a yeah. player who, for years, particularly when analytics were just starting out, he was the poster child of shot suppression, meaning he would keep other teams from getting to where they could take a shot, controlling shots against. And for a couple of years now, I've been watching because that number was starting to become less strong for him, meaning the opponents were getting more and more shots, which erodes a lot of what Dubinsky brings to the table. But he's he's starting to go back down this year, um, which is a positive sign. And his total points per 60 right now is almost double what it was last year. So when you when you talk about the rebound of this player – there are some really impressive underlying numbers in terms of what's going on with him. and And to Tom's point, what I was impressed with in terms of his return to the lineup after injury was not just, as Tom said, you know it takes a couple games to get back in it. But the mental fortitude that had to take for what he went through this summer, yeah, working so hard, sitting out, and then to come back. and And I thought last night was his best game since the injury. Um, yeah, and to geez. to come back and to, To reattain this new level of play, that was impressive to me from him.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good sign for sure. Blue Jackets at Carolina tomorrow. I'm off. Oh, oh, I know. Then Tom, you know what? Next time you bitch about where you're going, the Islanders, whatever. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to Raleigh to cover this. Yeah.
3: I, yeah, I'm with you. You're good. You're good on that one, 40. You're good. <laughs> Send me to St. Louis. Send me to Long Island. Bring and me you're going
1: road. to Toronto to cover what I think will be a fascinating game. So much. Monday, because that team just flies. Um, interesting times. You're starting. Let's just talk about some juicy stuff out there. No, I don't think Panarin and Bobrovsky are on the verge of being traded. I, th- I actually think it's pretty quiet on that front. One thing that's been sort of bandied about, I know TSN's Bob McKenzie said of all, all, the one thing that's not being mentioned as a destination for Michael Nylander, the Maple Leafs, uh, RFA, unsigned RFA forward. He said to him, uh, Nylander to the Blue Jackets for Wierenski. It just makes sense. And it's something, oddly enough, that two or three days ago we were kicking about. Would you do Nylander for... Wierenski, Nylander, is a hell of a forward. Um, and I'm led to believe the Blue Jackets would not do that. I think they would consider it and may do it if Nylander were a proven NHL centerman. Um, the fact that he's a, a winger, I think, gives them pause. I think they're still really, really high on Worensky. It's so hard to find goal-scoring, uh, difference-making defensemen. This stretch right here. Let's not overreact. It's a it's a rough patch for Wierenski. playing on the third pair. I thought he looked a little bit better last night too. Um, so I'll put you guys on the spot here, Tom. Would you trade Zach Wierenski for Michael Nylander today? No,
3: no, because I think those. Yeah, I think you make you made your own the point. You know, wingers. You, there's a lot of really good wingers, and certainly Nylander is one. And if they don't project him. To be someone that can play in the middle permanently I would rather have a really dynamic offensive defenseman because those those to me are harder to find yeah and we, we've been kicking around Zach a little bit right now but my goodness I mean we, we talk about how disappointing his season was last year he had 16 goals
1: 16 right? goals
3: yeah. <laughs> in a disappointing season for him
1: wow. injury
3: I'll, I'll I'll stick with the guy that they have
1: yeah, Allison, um, I've got Michael Nylander. I'll trade him to you for Zach Wierenski. You good?
3: William, no. not, not Michael. You, I oh, did not trade
1: you, Zach. you Should my age. <laughs> All right, would you do it for either Nylander, Allison? I would not. <laughs> no.
2: I would not. I, I would love to see Nylander on this team, but not at that price.
1: Yeah, and I'll, it, look, if Panarin moves on, and God forbid if he moves on with that, with no return to the Blue Jackets, they're going to need players like Nylander. They are. They're going to need something up front, some difference making player up front. I, I, it's tempting. I would not, I would not do it either. But it, it is, it's a hell of a discussion. And honestly, if you're the Maple Leafs, it's, I think it's going to be a player like that. I think that's that's what it costs uh, to move Nylander. But they've got to do something here soon. If he doesn't sign by December first. He can't play in the league this year.
3: Uh, oh, Le'Veon, so, the Le'Veon, the Bell
1: of hockey. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, who's there? Uh, James, James Connor, is it?
3: Oh, uh, oh, God. Uh, it is Connor. Yeah, I think. The,
1: yeah.
3: It's embarrassing that I don't know that. Michael or
1: William, one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, no, I, I mean. You know, it's going to be a big trade if they if they, if they they move him because he's a significant piece. And, of course, the other question that people ask can, could the, is the, are the Maple Leafs a contender for Panarin or Bobrovsky? They'd love to have them, sure, but one of the reasons that Nylander is such a, a drawn-out process is here is they're worried sick about their salary cap, and they should be. There's no way that they're giving up the significant pieces it would take to get either or both of those players uh, and especially with no assurances that they could a sign them or b a, afford to sign them, so I, I don't see I don't see Toronto as a destination for either of those those players. Doesn't make a, a ton of sense. Uh, and I again I think Panera, the situation with Panarin and Bobrovsky is is pretty quiet right now. Um, let's see other moves. I wonder if Dalpy goes back if people are healthy. Maybe they keep him around for practice today and see where this goes. Um, but they've got Barubi up here, the backup goaltender. I think he could head back if Bob is feeling better. Um, interesting note out of Cleveland, Sonny Milano. Oof, I had a, I rubbed my eyes and double-checked it a few times. and even went back to his game-to-game, like, can that be right? Minus 11 in four games. Woo-hoo. It was minus six in his first game back with the Cleveland Monsters uh, when the Blue Jackets sent him down. So, interesting that when they needed a player a forward yesterday um, they sort of jumped the depth chart that had been established in training camp hard to argue though because Zach Delpy has has had a just a magnificent start uh, to his season in Cleveland Allison
2: yeah I that was not the Zach Dalby we saw last year <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that we saw last night and, and I mean it, it I saw someone else say this it, it I may have even been our Corey Pronman but he's such an interesting case. You almost want a, a middle tier league for a player like that. Right. To, hey, to right. Sit between to, exactly. Um, but I, I could see him sticking. If people aren't healthy, there's a whole issue of the number of players of rostered players, otherwise. Um, sure. But, but I like him and gosh, I mean, <clears throat> we all know I'm not, a fan of plus minus, but that Sonny Milano stat is crazy.
1: It's jarring. Hey, you wonder if maybe the Blue Jackets at some point decide Dalpy should be up here instead of Sedlak. Interesting. Right? I mean, if it, if it continues, because Dalpy can definitely play on a fourth line if he's playing well up here. And there's quite clearly more of an offensive punch there. Um, but these are things that, that's what the AHL is about. Like you, I, I think it's been a difficult stretch here for, those guys in Cleveland, because there haven't been a ton of injuries at, at the NHL level, uh, so not a ton of opportunity for movement. But uh, Mr. Delpy has certainly stated his case. Uh, I'm off to Raleigh tomorrow. Tom, you're off to Toronto. Allison will hold the fort down. Uh, you got a piece coming up later today, Allison.
2: It just went up, actually. So we all take time to read it. Um, we did this at the start of the season. Just kind of looked at some key things we're seeing about the team. From a numbers perspective, people seem to like it, so we're gonna do that. Hopefully, every month, just kind of, we're calling it guideposts. So, nice. hopefully, it's helpful to people to see where where the team is evolving.
1: Is this gonna be printed in little three by three booklets for the back of the toilet and?
2: Oh, gosh. And... I loved guideposts. Come on.
3: Remember guideposts, Tom? Do you yes. Oh, god. <laughs> No, I just I would rather read Allison's. I like the first one, and oh, I, I, I think fans will enjoy this as a as a, as a monthly as a monthly look at where the team is. So it, it, it'll be good. I encourage everyone to go out and read it here right now.
1: Right now, after you're done listening to this. All right, well, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. It is this episode twenty. Oh
2: boy. No, 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 no. Um, but while I look up. While I look up what it is, I do want to make mention of um, both Buckeye teams are home this weekend.
0: um, The women have
2: have Minnesota Duluth. And if you paid attention to uh, Team USA and their tremendous gold medal win, Maddie Rooney, who was in net for Team USA, plays for Minnesota Duluth. So she will be here this weekend playing against the Buckeyes, a really big test for them. So that will be some exciting hockey, I think. And then the men are hosting Wisconsin in a big 10 matchup. Both of those teams have affordable parking, affordable tickets. The women's is free. And I would encourage anyone who's looking for a little bit of a fix to check it out.
1: Well, let me tell you, there's money on the board in the Portside house. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, all my, my wife's side's from Wisconsin. So they've got, they're fired up for the Wisconsin Ohio State and then I've got a ton of cousins that went to Duluth so I'm getting from all angles here and suddenly I'm like Buckeye fan here because I'm I'm being challenged and forced to defend my turf so these are heady times in college hockey world Uh, Allison thanks for being with us Tom Reed thanks for being with us everybody out there thanks for listening and we'll get back to you on Tuesday enjoy the, the hockey weekend talk to you soon